Welcome to Tech Bytes with TechNext. Here, we bring to you a brief roundup of everything exciting about the tech space across Africa and indeed the entire globe. From startup announcements to new inventions and the latest buzz boosts on the social space, we will be sharing industry important highlights and exploring the news within the news. We will also be bringing industry experts to share opinions about major news for the week. And most importantly, watch out for our exciting future for this week. We are sure it will be an exciting session you won't want to miss. Let us begin. Drum rolls, Tech Byte 29. Anytime I say drum rolls, I don't know why the people at the back or at the back end never do the drum rolls. bring drum sets. <laughs> I bring drum sets away. Yeah, we are now running a big race, actually. And, you know, before you know it, we'll be doing 50. Mm-hmm. 50 is a um, silver jubilee, a golden yeah. jubilee. I don't know what it is now. It's golden. <laughs> okay, it's golden. Okay, Silver that's fine. Twenty-five. We've done that already. We have come this far, and it's because you all have joined us through from the beginning till this very moment. Um, I am Omole. I still remain Omole. I've not changed my name. The people change their names. <laughs> and with me is Dami. Dami. Hi, everyone. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. That voice. Dami Larry. I usually don't like to hear it. <laughs> anyway, as we do on Tech Bytes. Would uh, bring you the news updates and um, the news and the updates um, in Nigeria, Africa, and indeed the entire world. For our conversation today, we're going to be talking about um, banks and fintechs and the cashless policy, cashless economy. And we have two professors in the house who are already with us, uh, but um, to get the juice out of that, you are going to have to wait until we get to that segment of the podcast. Um, as usually beg of you, if this podcast has offered any value to you, please like, subscribe, comment, share. Dami, tell them where they can find the podcast. Everywhere. <laughs> Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Samsung, Amazon, YouTube. You can find it everywhere. Yeah. And if also, if you want to sponsor this, you can just reach out to Anderson at technext24.com. Do we have any sponsors? No, we don't. Okay, please take us through uh, around the world or take in 10 minutes. Okay, uh, first on the list, we have Adobe that is bringing um, generative AI features to Photoshop, After Effects, and Premiere Pro. We're still in the AI Wars era. Last yeah. year was Metaverse Wars. Now it's Not still even AI. Last. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still AI. We've seen ChatGPT, Microsoft, Google, Facebook. Everybody's trying to incorporate AI. And now Adobe is following the lead, right? They're incorporating AI into their suite of photo and editing features, uh, softwares, right? They call it Sensei AI. Sensei as in sage you know add it for a very long time now but they are releasing the um, commercial version of it yeah. and it will be called firefly, firefly. Yeah, yeah it will be all dubbed firefly and the 
it will generate images text effects and all of that for for designers i i think this is a game changer it is it is actually yeah it is i uh, mean even i don't have to go to any school of design mm-hmm. before you would just be able to have one so someone like Idris now who is looking at me will not <laughs> will not be doing shakara for me again <laughs> i mean the ai can generate the idea for you and you can fine tune it to whatever you want to to mm. do I, I think that's a good e- exciting, one exciting exciting mm-hmm. so with this update uh digital artists to be able to speak into existence professional quality illustrations using only the power of their words right mm. Fireflies, multimodal nature means audio, video, illustrations, 3D model can all be generated via the system and enough verbal gymnastics to hmm. speak your, your designs into life. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's real good. That's real good. Uh we look forward to how how much of our jobs AI can take over the next few your months. Your job AI yeah, is not taking your jobs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coming back down to nigeria yeah. op who has been the golden boy of the like space for star the boy. several several weeks has announced that across 30 million registered users drum rule okay they would not even do the drum rules <laughs> anyway <laughs> so op announced this week that it has crossed 30 million registered users of white app and it was you know showing appreciation to customers just to thank them for the service so far according to the ceo uh olua komu OP Nigeria's president and CEO. Our OP co- it says our OP customers should continue to enjoy OP's reliable, fast, and safe transactions anywhere and anytime through OP platforms. We are committed to providing inclusive financial services to all Nigerians that ensure that no one is left behind, no matter their social situation or geographic location. Mm. We should thank OP actually. They're thanking us, but we should thank them too. Yeah, they've saved they've, lives. They've actually been consistent. They've, um, they've been consistent. Exactly. Everyone. So this week I had to do lots of moving around and mainly was it. They've reduced embarrassing Uber, moments. Like and eighty percent of the time I, I took a ride. The drivers all gave OP accounts to have their money sent to. See? So that just shows how much they've been able to penetrate. I wish it can penetrate the rural areas too. Mm, I think they will. I mean, they have registered Appivas of 30 million. They have 500,000 agents hmm. and 100,000 merchants. That's 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 a lot. And I'm sure over the next few months, that will most likely still continue to if, increase. If, if, yeah. If yeah. they keep, uh, you know, providing the services seamless services so i'm sure i'm sure more people, people exactly them. like i will tell you oh, please op i have op account just <laughs> <laughs> this op i've actually actually last week i actually opened uh, two op accounts for two different women they are traders and i told i asked them if they use op they said no i'm like no 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 no. you have to be using op <laughs> so yes so OP, we should OP thank them too reach out to him, <laughs> <laughs> all right just in case you don't know op is nigeria's fourth unicorn and it became one in 2021 after raising 400 million dollars mm. from around led by soft softbank they use the money well mm-hmm. unlike some others yeah yeah okay okay what was next please <laughs> <laughs> moving on we have federal government that has cancelled the five percent excise duty on telecom service providers so ah. This uh, excise duty was meant for the telecom subsector of the Nigerian digital economy industry, all right? And when it was announced, it met with objection, also even from the Minister of Digital um, of Communication. Communications and the Digital Economy, uh, Ali Pantami. Yeah. He also objected to it and said that. So the government, the, uh, the president, set up a committee 
to look into it to see if it is worth it or not and eventually the committee has gone through the entire thing and i've said no that it should not be and this is so that this is because the telecom space is already overburdened with taxation laws right left center and all of that so putting this again would only mean more strain on the telecom uh, companies and in turn more strain on on users so they've cancelled that all right uh that's a good thing yeah that's a good thing that's a good thing Thank you very much. So your SMS uh, rates and yeah, call rates and data rates are not increasing yet. Yet. Okay, yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the man that started the crypto uh, dominoes has still been happening since last year. Terra Creator, uh-huh. Dokwon, has been reportedly arrested this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it was, it was said to be arrested in Montenegro, right? Uh where he was trying to travel with falsified documents and according to according to the minister of interior of montenegro philip adzik they're waiting for official confirmation of his identity before they you know move on to the next phase of um either um taking him to court and all of that so dokwon has been under investigation if you don't know dokwon is the founder of uh, Terra, Terra uh, the owners of UST and Luna uh, those yeah. two um, cryptos crashed last year like massively and they sent a lot of money billions were lost a lot yeah. of money and since then it's been under investigation that's like 11 months or thereabout now yeah. it's been under investigation for the collapse and you know the collapse wiped about 40 billion dollars from the crypto market and hmm. initially dokwon has been saying that the charges against him especially by the south korean government uh, government are politically motivated so mm. it's like if uh, witch hunt is hmm. not guilty but uh now he's been arrested uh we can only wait to see what the outcome of that is uh sam was also arrested early this year or last year late last year sam of uh, FTX. the man that fried banks yeah <laughs> <laughs> sam so bankman fried it's, it's dokwon again and okay let's see how it goes yeah no so, we should go to prison we are not seeing how it goes uh okay he's he's not guilty yes i'll be okay 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 thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) all right uh last for the day we have uh meta uh, and its problems in kenya so the courts in kenya (laughs) stopped meta and its content moderation um contractor summer from firing 260 kenyan content moderators all right so the kenya's employment and labor relations court has bad meta right if you just in case you don't know, Meta is the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So it has content moderation, uh, people, people that are content Con- moderators, moderating platforms. all its content yeah. across board. So that's why if you post something that is against Facebook rules, after some hours or days, Facebook would prompt Either you flag that it's it been taken down or, or you should try um, appealing or something like that. So these content moderators do that. But last year, uh, someone filed a case against them, Daniel Motang. He filed a case against Facebook for the working conditions in in, in Kenya. I mean, right? so they were being underpaid 
and all of that and they were not treated well exactly so they are held uh, they keep talking about therapy sessions they don't mm-hmm. get that a because lot of the they see. because of the things they see you know the blood the god that they see and they the health um, packages they give them doesn't you know doesn't, doesn't balance out doesn't balance and you know to do this what the contractor did was a plan to you know that's fire this 260 mm. content moderators and facebook also had plans to change its contractor right which is summer to someone else but the court has currently stopped them from doing that pending you know the case to determine the legality of the layoffs on march 28th that's next week so for now uh, the court is stopping Facebook from sacking these people. I mean, Facebook also plead the ca- case that um, the court does not have jurisdiction, mm. but the court has been able to, you know, show that yeah, guys, it has jurisdiction. have jurisdiction over the this. argument of some of the uh, one uh, a top uh, executive in the company, Sama, is that um, Sama is paying above uh, the minimum wage, and many mm-hmm. of the people who work um, with Sama are people from rural areas who don't end so much they don't they don't even end oh well <laughs> so that's the argument that they're already above minimum wage and the people are from the rural areas but that's not an argument please yeah, they should still be treated fair exactly because they, be they are still it's the same work what they what they are doing is what other people in urban areas would do yeah yeah it is it is uh just also summer is also the independent uh contractor for open ai uh, the company that builds the artificial intelligence Starboy, <laughs> Starboy, yeah. that is put everybody on their toes. Microsoft, <laughs> Google, all of them yeah. on their toes now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sama has also been accused of running a sweatshop for that company as well. So, Sama has been under lots of scrutiny the last several months, and we hope we'll. I mean, are looking forward to see how the how the entire thing turns yeah. out. Uh, hopefully justice is served to the right people uh, that brings us to the end of our content and our news around the world of tech for today hope you enjoyed that hope you learned one or two, two. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the conversation for today the topic you know the topic of course you know the topic mm-hmm. <laughs> are banks and fintech companies ready for a cashless society uh, we had to have this conversation today because of first of all the cash crunch mm-hmm. um the move from a cash intensive society to a cashless society which is um which we thought was um, almost impossible before but we are seeing it happen at least Ope is um, recording 30 million users yeah. okay 20, 30 million users um there was an increase in the um, transactions, transactions well. that happened in um, January, yeah, we have not seen numbers for February yet. From NIBSS, there was an increase. Um, even I think February, yeah, it reduced in February, but there, there was, was an increase an in increase January. Yeah, it was because of the field transactions. Yeah, but um, you know why OP is a star boy is because <laughs> all that platforms have actually failed Nigerians. Okay, maybe the language is too harsh, mm. okay. but <laughs> they've not been able to meet up with um expectations and, and maybe because they actually don't know already and um to help us discuss this or to join us in discussing this as we said we have two professors <laughs> 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 so we have um odiri erusiafe who is a growth marketer and chidera amuta who is the growth lead of fsth group hi odiri chidera 
Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. And Dami, you, Dami, your voice is very deep, Abi. <laughs> deep. I want to remove him from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Welcome. And you like you, you will now make it deeper to intimidate people here. I don't do that. Yeah, don't so mind so him. <laughs> so yes, let's uh, let's get into the questions. Thank you again for joining us to discuss this. So yeah, in October 2022, the central bank um, announced its intention to resign the currency. But what mm-hmm. we saw was a repainting of the naira. That was not a redesign. <laughs> So that's repainting. Well, it said it was in the best interest of Nigerians, you know, to um, check terrorism financing, counterfeiting, and imbalances in the fiscal space, and to enable the CBN take control of the currency in circulation. It also talked about um, vote buying mm-hmm. to reduce or stop vote buying. But what happened is that we stopped seeing cash in circulation. You know, people were depositing the old one, and we were not getting the new ones. Um, I don't know the numbers now, but the I think this I read something yesterday that the n- cash in circulation has actually reduced further from one point something trillion to now down something billion. So it means that the cash crunch is not going anywhere yet, and we thought that maybe after the elections it's going to stop. But that's 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 the conversation. The, the, it's supposed to be like a cashless policy for people to move to start doing online transactions yeah. but what we are seeing is that people maybe they're not ready to move or maybe it is the banks and these platforms that are not ready so the question for you um is how do you see the transition to a cashless society impacting them financial services okay who would go um Odiri, do you want to go or should i go any of you can answer it. Uh, yeah, you can go first. Okay, so Omola, uh, um, uh, first off, please permit me to say that. I mean, before I before I answer your question, the new cashless policy implemented by the CBN, I mean, mentioned to take control of um, the currency circulation in Nigeria, terrorism financing, counterfeiting. It was really in the best interest of Nigerians, right? Mm. So I want to believe that. They did their research and whatnot. But I mean, these results cannot be achieved overnight. It's a long game, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, you know, expect results to come quickly and usually leads to disappointment. And the same goes for this transition into a cashless society, right? So one of the one of the most significant impacts, I would say, has been the increased demand of digital financial services. I mean, we saw it just very recently yes. where um, most people, I think we're still experiencing it now. We saw how the surge in demand was overwhelming and threatened our mobile banking system, our online payments, everything. So, so far, the transition has been rocky, you know, to say the least. But it's expected. These things, these things are not perfected overnight. So to ease better into this transition, I'll say first and foremost, Financial institutions need to invest in, or like they need to upgrade their infrastructure. I mean, I'm sure Audrey is thinking the same thing. They need to upgrade their infrastructure to expand their bandwidth to be able to feed the growing financial services needs of their customers. And you know, to provide more secure and reliable digital banking platforms. Um, but that also has to work in tandem with 
a mindset shift and behavior amongst mm. we, the consumers. Because, I mean, me, I'm a strong advocate for financial literacy. Um, I've led teams that have produced educational videos, podcasts, ebooks. Like, we're very intentional about creating playbooks, handbooks, doing webinars, Twitter spaces, just educating people on embracing digital financing and how to do better with their finances. And, you know, the need to break it down to the simplest terms so that my favorite Surya guy down the road would be able to understand why we're going cashless, right? And okay. I mean, as I'm speaking, I'm also thinking that it would, it would also increase competition, you know, amongst financial services providers, for example, hmm. especially the fintechs, because um, people will begin to demand more. So it would get them to, you know, become more Want innovative. To... Yeah. And, you know, will have like more competitive pricing or, or, or cost per service, you know, and we would then have the choice advantage, right, to choose financial services that meet our specific needs. So I think overall, like the transition to to a cashless society has been rocky, like I said, but it will have a positive impact along the line. It won't happen overnight, but, you know, as we continue to do it, we'll see continued growth and innovation, you know, in the sector. And I just hope that it would usher us fully into like a fully cashless economy. And let me stop there. I'm sure Odiri has like some other interesting things that he would want to share. What those uh, are my thoughts. Yeah, so um, as Chile has already said, uh, as you know, beginning to rely more on digital payments, you know, and um, traditional banking services, I'm sorry to say, may become, you know, less relevant. So apart from, you know, that we need, um, you know, more fintech in Nigeria, based on my perception, because you look at it now, Nigeria and Brazil, like we share like similar population densities, about like 200, to over 200 million or thereabouts. But Brazil, like we have like about 1,000, just 1,005, you know, fintech companies serving this population. And Nigeria, we have like maybe, so you see that like it's like a long way for us to go you know and so uh it's not like it's going to be something so easy uh you know and also we why would like we're feeling this impact is because like we are still kind of underserved in nigeria and because what we're things was the digital payments and you know this may become like issues for not banking but at the same time the most of cashless you know societies likely to you know increase financial in, in, inclusion in nigeria i think nigerians particularly those living in like um rural areas have limited access to traditional banking services so they also want to tend you know towards this fintech infrastructure today i spoke about infrastructure so like my thoughts you know uh what you know that point um so what we need to do is that we need to like maybe bridge the gaps because why we need to bridge the gap is that there's been a lot of impact on a lot of people at this point in time. Me, I may not be affected, but when I go to this question, I see like, you know, the impact on Nigerians, like, you know, it shows that, yeah, like we have a long way to go, but we can actually achieve it. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, if we could just get back on track. So I was asking Audrey, you mentioned something about um, financial inclusion. Financial inclusion. And, you know, the CBN and financial experts like yourself, growth experts, have all pointed to that same fact that 
in a cashless society like they are trying to push currently on Nigerians to ensure that uh, our financial inclusion increases. All right. And but but Nigeria has always been a cash intensive society and it doesn't look like this is changing. Even with the cash crunch, people are still hustling to get cash as much as they can because a lot of transactions and all that are still very, very much cash intensive. All right. Uh, if soon the cash floods the streets, I mean, we hope that we don't go back to 90% cash, 10% digital. But if, if, we, if we actually move on, is what, what do you what do you? think the impact of a cashless society would have on financial literacy for Nigerians and education and all of that? Yeah, um, good question. That um, So I believe that the transition to a cashless society has uh, no, the potential significantly in impact financial literacy and education in Nigeria. You know, as more Nigerians tend to move towards um, digital payments and online financial transaction, there'll be a growing need of financial education and literacy programs to help people understand how to maybe manage their finances and also how to manage, you know, you know um, digital cash flow. For instance, now, like, a lot of people are probably will have downloaded maybe three or four or five digital payments in this period. And all of those payments are for needs to one way or the other, you know, educate, you know, these people through maybe on a smooth onboarding process, who may be like you know, customer service calling them to onboard them on how to use you know this app. So, but one potential benefit um, of the cashless society is that it makes it easier for people to start their spending and all those in the managed budget. Everybody becomes like financial savvy, financial savvy, and also digital payment system and mobile banking apps can also provide you know you know real time of it and all of those for people. Um, I really hope that we don't go back to status quo because I like, actually not that like I am happy about like. You know what people have faced in recent times, but I just feel that we have to come to a point where we adopt this digital payment system. Um, but however, there are also risks associated with the cashless society, as there's the potential for fraud and cyber security threats and all of those. So, this is where everyone, like every stakeholder in the financial you know, system or you know, the digital payment system, needs to come in you know, to address this risk and also um, make effort to educate people. And Chidega mentioned something that, like, oh, that has in the past done Twitter space and all of those, you know, doing videos and stuff like that. You need to, like, come down to the level of people to teach them that, oh, because if you don't teach these people how to move back to status quo, we can't people start moving up with, like, what the cash up and, you know, you can't pay whatever you buy with the transfer because people must have transferred back. It's like, oh, that not before with the drum, but now there's money back. So for us not to move back to that status quo, we need to, like, probably invest and focus on a lot of, um, Customer educations. Uh, I don't know if you are there. Yeah, I was just going to agree. Um, yeah, just very quickly. I was just going to agree with what you said, Odiri. I mean, most people still have that mindset and behavior of, you know, maybe they want to pay somebody maybe like 50K, they'll go and line up under the, the song you know, at the ATM just to withdraw 50K, you know, because they want to pay somebody that money. And I feel like, um, like you, you mentioned, Odiri, sensitizing these people, um, raising awareness of the benefits and, you know, how they can utilize and thrive in a cashless society really go a long way. So, for example, if we're telling people that they can track their spending, invest, save, 
you know, do transactions all in one app. And there are many apps that just exist. You tell them, you break it down to their language, or sort of you you break it down to their understanding and tell them, you see this thing that you have to go and line up under the, the sort to do. You don't have to do it anymore because it's an app for it. Right. And then our financial services providers also need to, you know, ensure that these apps are they have like user friendly interfaces and they're understandable enough for these people to be able to use them. I just wanted to add that. And of course, you know, when there are benefits to something, there might also be risks. So people need to know the the risk like risk like um fraud, phishing, identity theft. Once you are able to communicate these things to them, do like outreach campaigns, let them know the benefits and the risks, then I think it will sort of mitigate this cash crunch and just sort of help us transition better into a, a cashless society. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up from there for you. This question is for you now. Um, I actually wanted to answer that question that Dami asked because. There was something around lit- financial literacy there, and you mentioned in your response to the first question that you you are big on financial literacy. But this one is back to financial literacy and financial inclusion. Now, the theme. I'm joining that from the theme now. How ready? How ready? Considering what has happened in the last couple of months since the um, cash, cash redesign this redesign policy, and you know the increase in mm-hmm. the move to a cash society, how ready are banks and fintech platforms ready for this cashless society? Considering underbanked communities. Oh, okay. hmm. So, I mean, the way that I see it is that, again, this transition to a cash society presents like very huge opportunities for banks and fintechs vis-a-vis like the unbanked communities right because there's that opportunity to expand their financial services for unbanked communities or to achieve this goal they would need to i mean before i answer if they're ready or not i think it's a it's not a ready or not um response that i would give i would say that they need to sort of begin to think about these underbanked communities in a different way. And the way that they can they can do this is to begin to develop, and I think I mentioned it before, develop products and services that are tailored to the needs of these underbanked communities. Um, off the top of my head, I'm thinking microloans, for example. Mm. But a lot of research, I don't like to do things without research. It has to be backed by research and data. So a lot of research needs to go into this to, you know, find out the needs of these underbanked communities. And then if you're creating a product, create products that actually fit these needs or or address these needs. Another thing that they would have to do, and I've mentioned this before, is to invest in the necessary infrastructure to support these new services and products that they'll be coming up with. Right. We don't want a situation where, you know, there'll be more people on their platform and, you know, there'll be crashes, there'll be bugs and all those kind of things. We don't want that kind of situation. So they would need to upgrade. They would need to, you know, invest in more infrastructure, you know, the resources, the human resources that will be able to handle these things, you know, in a, in a way that would help them achieve their necessary results. Um, they would also need to 
and to address your question, it would also need to develop sensitization and orientation programs, right? And it can come in any form. It can come in, like I mentioned, how we do like ebooks and we do webinars, we do Twitter spaces. But those Twitter spaces won't work for underbanked communities, might not mm. work for the underbanked communities, for example. So you have to sort of, and that's where that research comes in. You need to know how do we communicate with these people that they could understand? On what platform do they hang out? Um, do we need to, you know, engage like community-based organizations that would help us, that will make it easy for us to connect with these guys, right? And another thing that is important is that the private sector and the public sector sector have to work together, right? Because I'm sure um, we in this space and Audrey can <laughs> can relate. You know, the private sector and the public sector need to work together to address things like regulatory barriers, you know, and obstacles to this financial inclusion, right? Because we might, we might require, you know, advocacy efforts to promote policies and regulations that support financial inclusion. If they are if they are already existing, we don't know. So we probably need to do that research. We need to work with government organizations you know, to create, a, maybe create like a specific team that would handle this thing, that would take up the sensitization um, exercise and, you know, create a campaign to communicate with these guys, to tell them, oh, this is a better way to bank. It's a better way to bank that would benefit you. And, you know, we can kick it off from there. So I think that's the way that we can bridge the gap. Like Audrey mentioned, there's a huge gap. Yeah. But that these are some of the ways that we can bridge this gap, you know, and we can help people just transition smoothly into this cashless economy and close that financial inclusion gap. Mm, mm, fair enough. So bridging the gap and trying to trying to get people from point A to point B, point A being cash-based to point B being cashless. Yeah. All right. Uh, but if you look at it... Look at the trends. Look at the trends the last several months and everything. Um... We've seen that these guys, the banks, the fintechs and everything to a large extent are not able to meet up with the current demands. And if you maybe consider the numbers as big as they may seem, uh, 900,000 POS terminals, uh, 14,000 ATMs, 1.4 million POS agents in Nigeria, uh, generating $6 trillion dollars in in naira i mean as of december 2022 you would think that you know these guys moving from cash to cashless would be super easy the literacy part aside and all the rest we also see that these platforms have been unable to cope with the pressure and the transaction volumes i can't count number of failed transactions i've had to face the last several weeks like lots of reversals lots of sending dms on twitter mails and everything before the money is even reversed and all of that uh at this point would so would you say the the ease of movement like from cash to cashless the that ease of of moving the 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 needle is it because the plan was not well thought out like we did not project the future properly in terms of what we need to go to cashless was not available or it's just an Nigerian thing 
anyhowness. Anyhowness of Nigeria or the fact that it's a Nigerian thing that we just can't go cashless. So what would you say is the major reason not the that we can't go cashless that maybe Chidera can also chip in? Okay. So um to be honest, the challenges that we're facing from like the transition to the cashless policy is not necessarily like an indication that you know we can't achieve it or we can't move forward or it's Nigerian thing. Uh, one of the first things I said, like, from, from the first question is that I like to compare Nigeria and Brazil. Here we have similar 20 or something million. And for Brazil, like, they have like maybe 2,000 or over 1,500 companies. I'm not talking about banks now. But in Nigeria, we have just about maybe 20 or something. So you can see, like, they're still like, we have a long way to go. But um, apart from that, Chile um, has said something in our last you know, conversation that they need to be coordinated effort between like government and financial service provider and other stakeholders to invest in necessary infrastructure you know for us to you know for the transition to not be smooth because most times financials are not always smooth and you are never really ready for good in whatever you do in life sometimes like you think they are ready but as you you know as you tend to like move towards that point you begin to like face a lot of challenges i know that a lot of these things are tech doing and now tech can be sometimes like whatever you think like that you have tested the back end, you think it's working, then you deploy it, oh my god, it's not working, then you have to like run back. So people are likely to face all these failed transactions, which you have you know, complained about. So, uh, it's For me, I feel it's a gradual process. All of these issues that we're facing is probably going to happen. It's not something that, yeah, I felt like um, it happened in this recent, whatever has happened, you know, happened too quickly. We're not ready. But if we are ready, we're still going to face this challenge. But I just feel that um, um, we can overcome these challenges and you know, potentially have a successful transition, but experience some of these things. And there's no way we won't experience some of these things. It's not for you know um, Nigerians as a whole to you know to be ready. And one on one way they can do that is just like not maybe rely on one, on one financial platform. You can be more, maybe more than one or two. If you know if you're online working, you can also try maybe um, maybe use your bank card or whatever to you know attend this transaction. I feel like everyone is open to you know to have like a bit of backup, then we should be able to achieve this. Yeah. So I would draw from you said Nigerians um, should actually make um, ensure that they don't focus on one platform and um, so I like the optimism. You're saying that it's not going to happen at once. And uh, people are really going to go online, amen. <laughs> but from what you understand about people, that's the Nigerian people now, uh, for what you know about them, do you think that the banks are ready? Banks and providers of financial services, do you think that they are ready? This question is for you now, Odiri. Do you think they are ready to actually okay. take on these people that um, want that need these financial services? Okay, so like I would like to this and the fintechs. Yeah, I would say that they're ready in in some sort of way to you know because if you see a lot of marketing going on in terms of like um, banks, tech companies, people are spending like you know millions of naira, billions of naira to maybe put the word out there that uh, oh we are we are offering this service, come to us to acquire customers. So, like, if we are not ready to serve the customers, why would you spend, like, millions and billions of naira 
you know, some of these um, customers, even though that there's, there's a surge in some stuff like that, there should also be um, some sort of readiness, some sort of like cast for every organization that, okay, what if like we, you know, like we, we're going to like maybe get like maybe 15,000 customers a day for maybe we should get like maybe 500 before. 15,000 customers it should be a sort of forecast. And wherever, whichever partner is not ready yet, whatever that has, has happened in the last maybe one or two months has taught everyone that, you know, anything can happen. So it's not like for all these platforms, you know, to use some sort of, um, some sort of like um, surveys, like some sort of like, uh, you know, great customers into segments, into cohorts, get feedback from people that, okay, like, how can we use every bit? Should this happen again? What do you think we can do for you? So when you gather all of this data, when you gather all of this information, you can use that as a form of, of um, you can use that as a tool, rather, you know, to to prepare for whatever is to come, you know, in the future. Uh, so like that's like how I would like to, you know, um, I would like to like answer, you know, what you just asked. Oh, great. Uh, so let me just I, add something just very quickly here, yeah, just to support right. what Kadiri has said. Okay. Um, so we see these challenges that we're, we're, we've been experiencing with this transition into cashless society. They are not only unique to Nigeria, right? That's one thing that everybody needs to know. We, there are so many countries out there that, you know, had similar challenges. And I think I'll give maybe, let me give two examples. So there's Sweden. Sweden started out, you know, with the cashless economy they were transitioning, and it was very, very rocky at, at first. And I think in sometime in 2010, they were still a very cash-driven um, society when they used to do up to 40% cash transactions in a day, right? But by 2020, it reduced to 9%. And um, I think it was from the implementation of and widespread use of um, mobile payment apps that help. Same thing happened with China, right? I know that everybody now is aware that China uses WeChat Pay and Alipay. And I think as at 20, maybe 2013, around that time, China used to do like $3.3 trillion, um, you know, before um, in mobile, mobile transactions, mobile payment um, app transactions. And then in 2020, it increased to like $53 trillion, right? It shows that when they started, there was um, low receptivity. Like people were, not, people were not ready to use it. But as time went on, and I'm sure that they, they you know, started doing like some sensitizations. They, they um, invested in their infrastructure. Um, they, and that sensitization is very important because they had to keep telling people, look, this will benefit you in the long run. I don't think... Many people in China hold cash these days. So just to add to what Odiri has said, right? We while we're improving the infrastructure, while we are um, sensitizing people, reliable internet connectivity, and I'm not calling anybody any financial institution <laughs> out. Reliable internet connectivity is one important thing that can help the readiness of these um, financial mm. institutions and. and and, and banks, right? Sufficient peer That's important. Terminals. That's important, actually. Because you go to banks and they're telling you no network. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? So I think I think that we're not there yet, but I think we have the ability to be there. And I mm. think we have the willingness to be there. 
right? So, um, again, it won't happen overnight. Um, people, private sector, public sector, I like to call them the three Ps. They have a role to play. Everybody has a role to play in, the, in, in, in this, um, you know, seamless transition. So while the private sector is sensitizing people and ensuring that they give us the right products and services, government needs to ensure that they are not coming up with crazy policies that would reduce inclusion and threaten inclusion. And we too have to change our mindset, right, to be receptive to these things. So everybody has a role to play. It's not just on the banks. It's not just on the financial institution. I, I, and that was just to add to Audrey's point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. Um, just coming back to you again, Chidera. Uh, so this cashless policy, the redesign and all that is pushing people towards the banks and the fintechs. Right. Um, if cash gets back into the system, there are chances that we'll go back to cash-driven yeah. society. What should banks, fintechs do to ensure that they are not just getting people now because of the surge and the rise? Eventually, they'll be able to keep these people on their platforms. How should they expand their offerings? How should they... Should they view their marketing and product delivery process for the next several years to ensure that the cashless policy yeah. and system that has started continues? It's maintained. You know, initially, maintained. I mentioned research and you know using data. I don't like to do anything without research and data because you're shooting blank in the air. Right? You'll be you'll be running blind. So I think that one thing that banks and fintechs can do is to begin to intentionally use customer-driven data to understand how, so for example, this um, cash crunch that happened, this uh, new cashless um, society that literally plunged us into, if they had looked at the way their customers withdrew money on a regular, for example, or how often people transferred money and how successful those transfers were. And these are just very few things that they could have looked at to ensure the readiness of Nigerians for a cashless society. If they had looked at this data, if they had done research on maybe like how other countries were able to do this successfully, they probably would have, you know, maybe taken a step back to say, oh, let's go back to the drawing board or let's maybe hold this off a bit before we implement, right? So, so I think that to prevent this thing from going south, and it's not too late, we can begin to you know, look at customer-driven data. Every financial institution, every financial services provider can look into their books and say, okay, so um, out of a thousand customers that come in every one hour, this is how they interact with their bank accounts or how they transfer money or the reason why they transfer money. And they begin to sensitize people based on that, right? So do you know that you can still transfer 50,000 Naira to so, 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 so um, business without using cash? Just for the sake of this conversation. I mean, it's not a good example, but just for the sake of this conversation. So, so just using data researching what other countries have done and what for them 
and um, communicating to their customers that, and like I said, it's not too late. They can begin to tell them, oh, you know this um, cashless society, this is a way, these are three ways that you can still thrive in this um, cashless society. You can do like a webinar, invite your customers and tell them to ask as many questions as, as they have, you know, concerning their, their the issues that they've, they've experienced. You can do a survey like Audrey mentioned, right? Just send an email and say, oh, please fill this two question survey or three question survey asking them how they really feel about these things. And I, I think some financial institutions have already started doing it. But I think this is a way that we can mitigate going back to status quo. Yeah. So I, I think that's, uh, that's a way that we can do it. Yeah, yeah, so, I, so, so I quite was... agree with you because since this cash crunch, I don't think I've received messages from my financial institution telling me how to perform transactions online. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just wondering. So they're not even communicating. If, yeah, if you want me to do transactions online, how am I supposed to do it? <laughs> if I can't Google and find so out. My, mine is communicating. Just, just wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> 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 anyway, the last one. The last one. Um, this is for two of you now. If you've already mentioned research, you've mentioned surveys, mm-hmm. mentioned improvements of internet services, but this time around, I wanted to put your sh- your leg. In the shoes of um, people in government, if you were in government and or if you were part of a committee set up by the government and they said, okay, bring up policies to make sure that the the, transa- the transition from cashful, this is like cashful, <laughs> transition from cashful to cashless uh, works seamlessly. What should Nigerians expect to see in that document? This is for two of you now. So, I'll just have to go first. Yeah, so, uh, uh, it's not something easy to answer, but like, first of all, I would like to focus on, you know, uh, developing like strong regulatory processes and framework, you know, that will ensure safety and, you know, and reliability of online financial services. For instance, now you could see like maybe last year, um was it cbn or whatever like you know had to like call out we cancelled some from about these loan sharks and stuff like that so if there can be like a more strict um regulatory frame, framework um people lost this you know cashless policy mode when like i'm not getting scammed i'm not scared to impede my building and stuff like that then also i don't talk about financial literacy anymore but talking about that like four or five times um for this then there has to be like some sort of collaboration between like the, uh you know maybe the, the cbn and the financial services just so big i would want to like have some sort of um policy that encourage, encourage collaboration and partnership you know between government and financial institutions and fintech companies to drive innovation you know to foster competition because when there's competition maybe we can have more I, I don't believe that we have like too many fintech in Nigeria, fintech in Nigeria but I, I believe like there's still enough space for more people to come in. And, like when there's this competition, then everyone is sitting on their tools. No one is like coming like I'm the king of the market. Nobody can talk to me. You know, I know that there's certain banks in Nigeria now that you know it's just vibes, man. Like if you complain, you don't get any response and stuff like that. So if there's like competition, everyone is on their tools and you know doing stuff and um, you know trying to maybe. Be, um, be better than the 
their competitor, then we can, you know, attain this. Overall, um, the policy like should also be designed to build trust and confidence in digital payments, you know, ecosystem, you know, to address like all our concerns that we are, you know, currently experiencing. Um, not just like we create one policy that we don't even do, we don't even ask the people, or we don't even, you know, go into data, check spending patterns, check transaction history of, you know, of Nigerians, their spending patterns and, you know, whatever they do before we um, bring out all of these policies. The policy should be done or should be, you know, ruled out in favor of, like, the market or the digital ecosystem, financial system. Chidera. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Audrey. I just to add to what Audrey has said. I think it's, I think one of the things that um, I would add personally is security, security measures to show people that look, your personal and financial information is safe. So we need to let people know that look, the CBN cares about your safety, right? And that's why you know we are doing things like ensuring encryption, multi-factor authentication, you know, fraud monitoring systems from all these fintechs that are cropping up on banks to protect you, right? So that has to be in that document. Um, another thing that has to be in the document, like Audrey mentioned, is regulatory compliance. Um, it has to be like a regulatory framework that governs um online financial transactions you know in Nigeria and just spell out the responsibilities of the financial institutions in compliance with this regulation so that when when consumers really really they are rest assured that oh the CBN has our back right they are ensuring that these people are not going to if they don't meet this um, criteria of um, uh, regulatory compliance and you know, security measures, then I, I won't bank with these people because the CBN has said so, right? Another thing that um, should be in that document is telling them how intentional the CBN is about their their education and awareness, about their financial literacy. So if they know that the CBN does maybe outreaches once, once in a while to ensure that people understand online transactions, we're going to like the rural communities, you know, to talk to them about... Um, how they can use, um, you know, the mobile payment apps, you know, and how it's easy for them, how it's faster, how we, how there's, how there's transparency and whatnot. I think me as a consumer would want to see that there. So I think it's something that should be added to that document. Um, I think another thing that should be added to the document is how the CBN is ready to support consumers like their outreach channels or maybe not outreach maybe channels support channels that you know you can call at any time and say oh i'm very concerned about this um financial services provider that this is happening that is happening or citizens can even just call the cbn and say oh i would like to be you know served in a certain way right and give us insights it would give the CBN insight. So, I mean, these are some of the things that I will put in that document. Maybe rewards, rewards and incentives to tell people, you know, the more you you do transactions online, you get this and that. Maybe for the unbanked communities, for example, we can tell them um, if you perform like five transactions every month online, we'll give you 
um, maybe two transactions free of charge, mm. right? Or if you if you're performing transactions interbank, you won't be charged. And if they know these things, that if they know that they're saving money, it could be something that would they might be interested in. So these are the things that I will put in that document. And these are the things that I think that CBN needs to begin to be intentional about communicating. Right, so that people would be confident that oh, the CBN has our back, um, mm. and not just hearing from one side, from the financial institution side, also hearing from the side of the CBN. Mm. So that those are things I'm putting down. Thank yeah. you so much, Sidera and Audrey. The conversation continues. It doesn't stop <laughs> here. And if a committee is really set up for that purpose, I will, I will sponsor a hashtag for Chidera and Audrey to be on that uh, yeah. to be in that committee. Join, join <laughs> <laughs> because you have you actually have insightful things, insightful ideas that we Nigeria actually needs. If we are really serious about transiting to a cashless society, you have you know there you have it. You have said it. Um, and thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. Thank you. Um, as I said, the conversation continues, doesn't stop here. So please um, share your handles so that people um, can reach out to you or, you know, just continue the conversation with you and um, meet with you. Share your handles. Any social, social media handle, yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, so I like to, I mean, they can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Chidara Muta on LinkedIn. Just said Chidara Muta, you can find me. I send me a DM and I'm active as Okay. All right. How about your theory? Yeah, um, I would probably go for LinkedIn. So, Odiri is your on LinkedIn. You know, I'm always like online. It's like, look up to me and make sure I do it for me. All right. Okay. Dami. My name is Oluadam Larry Akinkwelu on LinkedIn and for every other platform, Actdown07. Okay, that voice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On LinkedIn to Omole Omori, uh, Twitter to um, Lord underscore Ricky. Ricky is spelled R I C K I E. You can meet me there. We'll continue the conversation on right. if banks are ready to transit to banks and financial institutions, ready to transit, um, help us transit to a cashless society. And if Nigerians too are ready, <laughs> because that question is important, it's important <laughs> to answer their questions you know, within yeah. themselves. Are they ready to go? to a cashless society um thank you once again for listening for watching mm-hmm. um please like subscribe comment share yeah, follow us on our platforms at technext.ng thank you